This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Buffalonian Division of the Cast Source Podcast Network, a podcast network built by Buffalonians for Buffalonians, featuring the shows such as the Goatheads Podcast and the Buffalonian Podcast. We cover Bills, Sabres, and more, with more shows on the way very soon. And the Cast Source Podcast Network covers many genres, including sports, business, mental health, marketing, and entertainment. Featuring the podcast shows such as Sports Bring People Together, Limitless, Saviors of the Metaverse, and The Athletic Mindset. Learn more at castsource.com slash podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the Bills, Sabres, Hot Takes, Trivia, and more of the Buffalodian Podcast. All right, let's go. back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly and today I'm joined by none other than Dom Loss. We've got some stuff to talk about today. We got some bills, of course some sabers, but Messi, he's coming to the US. He's going to play in Miami the MLS. Crazy. But even more important for us, I mean we're not you know we're not the biggest soccer guys. I've watched Ted Lasso, that's the extent of my knowledge. Oh god. But the Bandits are champions. Yes, it is old news. No, we have not had a pod since it's happened. So let's just chat about that for a minute. Dane Smith got mar- engaged today. It's, it's, it's a week for the Bandits. It's a week for the Bandits. I mean, and he won finals MVP. He did. He did. He's the finals MVP. Josh Byrne had a great performance coming back from injury, finally. Um, it's been it's been a ride. And to have them end game three last year against the Mammoth, they lost in Buffalo. Now, they took it all the way and won in Buffalo. It's, al- it's almost like a storybook ending. It's a good book. It's a good book. I, I, mean, hope, th- I, co- I hope they have uh, more than one chapter to this book, but it's the first team to bring a championship home to Buffalo in 15 years, and they were the last one to do it in 2008. So Actually, you're incorrect. The 2017 Buttes won the... Oh, my the, God. You're right. You know, so yeah. I had to expose your lack of women's ice hockey knowledge. Sorry. but. Forgot you, about but it. it is the first time in 15 years that the Bandits did uh, hoist the uh, NLL Cup, and it's with a long ride coming. I mean, losing to Calgary, Saskatchewan, and obviously, as you said last year, to Colorado in very eerily similar circumstances that they ended up winning this year. Um, but the Bandits were the better team throughout the entire season. They were just never – it's honestly an impressive season because they were never really healthy. Like, Byrne missed a lot of time. Chase Frazier missed a lot of time, so um, they got healthy at the right time. And I don't want to play the what if scenario, but I guess if Josh Byrne doesn't play in Game Three, you gotta wonder if I'm not saying maybe it's not a nine goal difference, but I think that game was a lot closer. And I th- I truly believe that if Byrne was healthy, they would have swept. Yeah. Um. So not having him was really crucial, and it was the reason why this ended up being a do or die game for them. But Former number one pick comes through for four goal performance and uh, Matt Matt Vince who he is from Canisius, uh, now university I should say he's from Canisius College though you got you got to think he's well he's a Canisius College graduate but yeah I don't know what to say about that about that anymore a but product of Canisius a product from Canisius four goals is the lowest amount of goals scored in a in an NL final game 
Uh, the nine goal difference is the third high, third, I should say, third most, uh, def- biggest deficit. Number one is, funnily enough, the Bandits lost to, like 26 to 15 and back in the 1990s to yeah. Philadelphia. So that's wild to think about. But no, I mean, back on, I guess, better notes. Um, great job for the Bandits. Good work. Hopefully, it's just the beginning of, of the year of Buffalo. Well, here's the thing you're absolutely right. It's almost like the first wall just came crumbling down, right? The next one. The one that seems like it's going to hit the next is the Bills winning a Super Bowl. That seems the most reachable. As much as I want to come out here and say, like I have, the Sabres are going to the Cup, they got to make the playoffs first. And, yes, that is likely to happen this season. I'm not going to sit here and try and deny that. I want it to happen, absolutely. Um, You know, Carter Hart rumors are swirling. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, no, I I think it's the first domino to fall for the city of Buffalo, like, Minus the Buttes, of course, as I was informed. But for professional yeah. sports teams, and uh, the NLL is a growing sport, and it's nice to see our band. It's really, you know, that, that, that was sold out, game one and game three. The entire playoff run was. We went when they clinched the one seed against Toronto. That was a packed crowd. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're, They pull in a lot of people, and it's cool to see KeyBank that way because you don't very often for the Sabres. So. It's, it's an exciting to see what playoff hockey will be. But 18,000 fans were in... For the KeyBank Center, fourteen. What's sold out for KeyBank? Do you know? Nineteen something. Um, eight, oh, right about that. Fourteen thousand were in Salem Field for Star Wars night. So, um, quite the day for Buffalo. Quite the sports, you know, performance with, you know, att- attendance. For yeah. Buffalo well, they sports. also have they have their championship party parade. It's not really a parade. I wish it was. It's also lacrosse night at the Bison's game. So maybe they'll parade over to the Coca Cola, not Coca Cola Field anymore. Sorry, a flashback a couple of years to my childhood there. Salem Field now. Uh, maybe they'll parade on over there after their party in the plaza to celebrate the championship win. I, if if you, The Bandits crowd is definitely going to get rowdy there. Can you imagine a Bills or a Sabres Super Bowl? I think it looked like Bruce Almighty when the city was burning down God. and the Sabres won the Stanley Cup. What a, what a reference, Bruce Almighty. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's going to be exciting. I've never been to a band's home opener, but I think I have to be there when they unveil the banner. Yeah, oh, so. yeah. There's no question. A banner going up in KeyBank. We got to get the Braves up there. There's a petition out there, too, to get the Braves up in KeyBank. That's Key never going to happen. You don't think so? You think the Pagoulas will be like, no, we're not doing it? No. Anyway. One sorry. Can dream. So, sorry for One the can dream, at least. Crushing right? dreams here in the Buffalonian yeah. podcast. Good but. Lord. But before we move on from the bandits, there, there is an announcement. There's a spe- You might notice something different happening on your screen here than there normally is. So I just want to point to the, the guy behind the glass or more like behind the multiple computer screens here. You met him last week as I was moving into my new place, and Mike was unfortunately not able to be on. Mooch! He's waving. He's waving. You'll see him later. He's, he's going to come on for some, some trivia towards the end, but uh, thanks for being our producer. We've never had a producer. It's been, it's, this is interesting. This is a cool new, new thing we're doing here. But without further ado, what do you say? Is it time for some Bills talk? I don't know. Yeah, well, you got, you got your American. I am an American, so I can't. Yeah, you got your Amerks on, but I think it's time for some Bills talk. So the big news, starting out earlier this week, the Bills extended at all. Now this did bring up some serious controversy among Bills fans. Okay, a lot of people are saying he's gamble. It's a gamble, just like Tremaine Edmonds, right? Like they're banking on him showing up his last year Tremaine Edmonds didn't get paid before that but now they're thinking Oliver will and one thing that I've seen the argument of at least is that the Bills have tried this before with someone on offense which Dawson Knox just to 
lay it out there for a minute. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with this, but they did put big tight end money into him to have him seriously underutilized and not really what he was touted to be. This is nothing like that. I just I, I think disagree. It's be interesting. I think it is somewhat like that. You think? I think it's one year before. So they got burned last year. Yeah. With Tremaine Edmonds now leaving, they signed Ed Oliver to the four-year, sixty-eight million dollar contract. Forty-five million guaranteed, by the way. Yep, seventeen mil per year, and he's thirteenth among DTs, which I think that number will continue to drop. Oh yeah. Um, with Quinn Williams getting extension, there's a couple other people. Chris Jones, I believe, will get a contract extension at some point. I think he might be ahead of Oliver already, but right. I think the point remains that the Bills last year did not get Edmonds signed, and he obviously priced himself out of Buffalo. I think they wanted to avoid the situation with Oliver. Now, the the always a pushback on Tremaine was you need to have an elite defensive tackle, one tack in front of him to perform, and is that really, you know, if you need an elite player, like, around you, does that make you worth the big money? I think a similar situation can be had for Ed Oliver. Right. Now, I think some of the situation is, yeah, Ed Oliver's never had an, a consistent, great, Defensive tackle, one tack to the side. You know, they tried Starla Tule. Harrison Phillips had a good run, and then he left for free agency. Obviously, they have Daquan. Daquan's solid. I will say that though. And it's a little bit, of, a little bit of, I guess you could also say, uh, a Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis situation with the fact of you know he had a high ankle sprain week one. High ankle sprains, when you suffer them in the season, you're gonna miss the time, and you're never really gonna get back. It's really hard to get back to what you were. It's like what you saw with Mac Jones in New England last year. Yeah, and I believe he also had a pectoral injury or shoulder injury as well. I think Mac uh, at Oliver. Sorry. Oh, okay. Me. I was like, I didn't know anything else happened with Mac Jones. Um, but I think injuries, a little inconsistent play. I think this is a gamble because we've seen flashes of this. You know, Thanksgiving, Cleveland. That those two weeks. That I mean, hopefully, they, I mean, I wish they played more in Ford Field because it seems like that that's kind of at Oliver's playing. You know, elite elite football, but he's he has the numbers. That he's with the defense, he's in this realm of being a good defensive tackle. It's the jump. Can he become consistently good to elite? Yeah, and it's all the words consistent because he's he could be a game wrecker. He's shown flashes of this greatness that he can achieve, but not con- like you said, consistency is key, and he's not had that yet. No, he, he hasn't. But he's been a guy that's improved throughout his time in Buffalo. The last two years have been his best two years, and. We, we, you know, on tape, he's a guy that flashes a lot and makes a lot of, you know, disruptive plays. Maybe isn't a guy that's always going to be on the stat sheet. I remember a long time ago, was it like sacks versus like pressures debate with Ed Oliver, and people were complaining about his sack. I don't think he got a sack till like midway through the year last, you know, in 21. And if you watched the game, you could see that he was impactful. He's just not finishing all the time. So I think him being a, if he could consistently be that disruptor in the middle of this defense. Um, I think it will do wonders for him, especially now being alongside Puna Ford right. and Daquan Jones, two good one tacks. You know, I think with Fon returning, we're going to talk about the signing of Leonard Floyd. You have Groot kind of coming into his own. Yep. Like, he has talent around him. I just think the thing for me would be, you know, obviously the defensive tackle market exploded. So... You know, Javon Hargrave is getting $21 million. We're going to see a Chris Jones extension. We're going to see a Quinn Williams extension. They got ahead of that, actually. Jeffrey Simmons gets his extension. A lot of big – Dexter Lawrence got his yep. extension for the Giants. Right. So, 
really market wise, it didn't really overpay as much as people. I, th- I think the number of sixty eight million dollars is like whoa, but like the defensive tackle market is booming. The question that has to be remained though is can he prove it? Can he prove it consistently, and can he prove it when injuries happen around him? When maybe the players, you know, the elite player, the good players that are around him miss time. Can he pr- be that same impact player? Because if he's just kind of a complimentary piece, that's not good enough for $17 million. It's like with Dawson Knox on the offense. Him being paid $12.5 million, or I think that's what it is for... Roughly. His, yeah. r- roughly. That's not good enough to just be a complimentary piece of an offense. No, you you have to be a, a, a key, a key yeah. contributor. He's got to be a, a... What's the word I'm looking for here? A necessary... A necessity. A necessary cog in that offense. And you can't, you can't operate without him, but... Now you bring in Kincaid, who I think I'm going to just call him Big Beasley at this point. I think he's going to line up in the slot. I think you're going to see a lot more out of Dawson Knox this season, too. Um, I think he might be worth, start to, you know, you know how Jeff Skinner wasn't really worth the $9 million at first, and then now we're kind of like, oh, yeah, he's coming around. He's like, overpaid, but he's still he's, solid. He's, yeah, he's solid. I think Dawson Knox will reach that margin this season. Yeah, I, I guess that's my thing with Fidalver. I don't know if he'll ever truly, truly be worth $17 million, but the market... If he becomes more consistency consistent, I should say, it, it, it may be an overpay, but it's an overpay that you'll be able to live with uh, down the road. So yeah. transitioning, signing at Oliver to extension freed up cap space for this season in this cap for us to sign Leonard Floyd, who is Over Ram with Vaughn. So a teammate of Vaughn joins the squad. Uh, obviously, Leonard Floyd was a highly doubted draft pick from Chicago. I had a, a touchdown for cut. Caught a touchdown from Nate Peterman yes. in Buffalo. Yeah, uh, when they kicked the crap out of us, uh, didn't work out there. Came to the Rams, twenty nine sacks the last three years, won the Super Bowl. Is a guy that is you know Edge was kind of that sneaky need of you have Groot, who is com- again another guy coming off an ankle injury. Right. You have Epinesa and Basham, but do you really trust Epinesa and Basham? You have Shaq Lawson, but do you really trust those three guys? Um. You know, to be that guy with, with Vaughn being out potentially the first couple, you know, first month of the season, now all of a sudden you get Leonard Floyd and you get a guy that not only could, you know, be a starter for you when Vaughn is out, but when Vaughn comes back, still be an impact guy in that, you know, as we know, the Bills love to rotate. Right. And I think I, contract wise with him, I think I saw on CBS nothing great, like nothing thrown out there really. One year deal. $7 million guaranteed, but there's also a sack incentive, which could bring it up to nine. So clearly, clearly they have him on the team for sack purposes and whatnot. And I think that'll help Oliver, too. You know what I mean? And you're also not rushing Von Miller back for week one, even though he's he's saying, he's like, I'll be back for week one. I don't know about that, but we'll have to see. Um, ACL, he was only a partial tear, I believe, in his ACL. I don't think it was a full tear. So yeah, I, I, you never know with an ACL injury. It could be anything, but... I think it's it's raising some questions though. This signing, Groot, Vaughn coming back. This three guys bringing Shaq back, bringing Shaq Lawson back. So you look at it now. Your edge rushers. You got AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham, right? Who's in more of like it's do or die time. It's da- I'm in the danger zone. Kenny Loggins is pumping behind me as I'm running for my life. You know what I mean? Like. I think AJ Epinesa might be. He's the 54th overall pick in 2020. He's had nine sacks. He's third in sacks on the team in 2022. 
He actually kind of came into his own when Vaughn got injured last year a couple. We needed that closer, and he did do that a couple times. I don't know, 30, 32 solo tackles. I, I, I think... What do you think? Is he... It, it is the band of two draft picks that have not been worth their value. Yes. And... I remember what uh, A lot of the reason why is because the Bills wanted to change their bodies. They only drafted players and then wanted the talent per se, but then wanted to completely change who they were as players to kind of fit their scheme. And that didn't really work out. It's interesting because AJ is a free agent next year. I should just say this year. And... Boogie has another year, two years, uh, obviously being drafted in 21 with the second-round pick. And I, I don't know, four and a half sacks in 23 games. Kind of had a good start to the year. Obviously got the interception of Matt Stafford. Yes. Yeah. It was a guy that was highly graded by PFF. I think we were talking about how he was like, oh, man, Boogie Basham, like the, even in limited snaps, is like the sixth-highest-graded DN. And then he kind of fell off uh, the cliff. And it's a situation where it's going to be a – I'm not saying it's – it's settled right now. I think it's gonna. One of them is gonna get moved. Uh, I think they have trade value. I think you could get an asset back for them. You know, they got. Listen, you got a fifth round pick for Cody Ford. I think you could get a fifth round pick for either one of these two players. Yeah. Um. But for me, AJ's in the lead, even with having the one year left on his contract, because he proved at least last year that he could get some production out of him. He got. I believe he had six or seven sacks uh, on on the season, and he grew a little bit as a pass rusher, as a run defender. And for him now to start off the season as, as not in the starter mode, but back into that rotation, uh, I think he'll be comfortable in that role and he'll be able to make some plays. So I think right now, AJ, uh, good for you, Mike. You might have to keep, you know, get to keep that jersey. Yeah. Mooch, Mo- Mooch has the AJ Evanesa jersey, um, so we're hoping he can hang on to it. I th- I would think I would agree with you that good old Boogie might be in, might be in shambles after this season. We don't know, so... It'll be interesting. I'm honestly, I'm looking forward to it because they are making a lot of defensive signings. The AFC East is going to be so competitive, and it's going to be interesting to see how this season really shakes out for a lot of players on the Bills, especially the defense. Like we mentioned, there's not a lot of people signed going into the next couple seasons, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see who sticks around, who might not see, who might not play in the new stadium, which you know we'll 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 chat about. We'll we'll have some footage for it next time, but I just want to I want to I want to think. Uh, think for a second, okay? Brandon Bean's presser yesterday. He had some common comments about our buddy Kyer Elam, who was at all most of the Bandits games, by the way. I just want to point that out. Big, big Bandits guy. Big Bandits fan. Kincaid was there with him as well, along with McDermott. It was, it was cool. It was cool. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Brandon Bean's comments on Kyer? I think it was telling to show why he wasn't getting playing time. And with young players, especially with, with the Bills organization that I think preach practice, if you don't perform in practice, how can the coaches have trust you're going to perform in a game setting? And, you know, if he was making mental errors in practice, he made some mental errors on the field in, in games. So I guess it's all about showing up. I mean, they've had, I think everyone has sung high praises of, like, his character and, like, his want to be out there. But I think it's a little bit concerning that, you know, of all this, like, you know, oh, put the playbook on the plane and all that. Like, for him to kind of mentally be out of it a little bit sometimes in practice, I don't think is a great sign. But I think you have to trust the leadership of Jordan Poirier, Micah Hyde, Trey White, even Dane Jackson's been there for a little bit. Like, those vets in the in the defensive back and defensive back meetings to kind of get him to, to, to buckle down because he's a talent. He's, listen, he, it's, it is clear. He is the second most talented cornerback on the roster. 
And if we were putting positions, you know, putting the starters up, he would be a starter based off talent. But if he has having these mental lapses, he didn't have a great start to OTAs. You know, didn't seem like, you know, some receivers were cooking him a little bit, yeah. as, as one would say. So it's in, it's an interesting discussion because we, listen, we were all kind of, oh, they, were, they aren't going to start Christian Benford week one. No, primetime game. And they did. And then all of a sudden, you know, Dane Jackson's kind of getting playing. I mean, we're all like, dude, this is, you know, I think everyone sees the talents like this is the most talented guy on the roster. This is done for the coaching staff. But I think it's an explanation for why the coaching staff did what they did. And I would just hope that throughout these next couple of months, Elam takes those strides off the field so he could perform on the field. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. I think he was solid for, like, the games he played in last year. There's no question about it. But strides off the field need to be taken so he can take the strides on the field. You put that perfectly. I mean, there was really no other way to put it. But Thank you, my guy. Yeah. So, moving on. Our draft pick. You saw our draft reactions live. We were live streaming. Kincaid was kind of a mixed review. Even Statistician Ginge in the back of that stream. I mean, it was just kind of like... We didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, Bill's drafted a tight end in the first round, but you find out he's Big Beasley, as I said. He'd be a good slot receiver. But is he already being underrated is the question. What do you think? It's a little bit I, – I would agree it's a slight underrated because I think the past history of tight ends being drafted, especially first-round tight ends that are highly drafted, the numbers don't suggest that they're going to have an impact rookie year. And, you know, we heard Kent Dorsey be like, they don't fully know what to do with them yet. They're kind of, like, figuring it out on the fly, which is the typical response for not going to be like, oh, yeah, we know exactly what we're going to do with him. But of a player with that level of talent and having pairing him with an elite, elite quarterback in Josh Allen, yeah, I think that's really the difference is having Josh Allen. You know, we don't see a lot of rookie tight ends in Kansas City as, or, you know, especially with Travis Kelsey, like, there's not a lot of opportunities sometimes for rookies to play tight ends to play if elite quarterbacks right off the bat. And for me, Kincaid's kind of that receiving threat. He's gonna, I think he's going to be involved in the offense. And I, I believe that he's getting underrated from the fact of maybe it's not him. You know, I think talent-wise, he'll be fine. But, like, I think he's underrated based off the situation he's in, being in a pass-first offense, being kind of a passing tight end. More than a, I'm not saying he can't be a, a two-way tight end or a good soft blocking tight end, but he's a receiving tight end in a passing offense with an elite quarterback. I just think that's that's valuable, and especially for a team that struggled in the slot. To and then they held, they brought back Cole Beasley. It's a situation where they believe he could fix some of that issue, and we see we, Josh in the past has really trusted people in the slot. As we said, as I just mentioned, Cole Beasley's name. Yeah. So if if Kincaid and him seem to be growing, seem to have that kind of connection uh, in practices so far, they could continue to grow that, and continue, and he continues to earn Josh's trust. Yeah. Josh trusts people in the like 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 the slot, and if if Kincaid can own that role, I think he could have. A, I'm not saying he's going to have a thousand yards. I'm not going to say he's going to catch t- t- ten touchdowns, but forty to fifty catches, I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, it's it's really not. I think I would agree on the slight overrating that's happening because you're absolutely right. Underrating? Underrating, sorry. No, I'm, I might overrate him a little bit for a lot of listeners out there, but you're right. Josh Allen is the X factor in this equation, right? You got, you got to solve to find X. We found him. It's Josh Allen. <laughs> and I think Kincaid, like, I, like I've mentioned already like three times throughout this episode, Kincaid's going to be a slot guy, okay? He's going to be a big slot receiver, 
which is what we lost in Cole Beasley. So I, I think it's going to be more than a tight end position. And you, like you said, you already see what he's doing in OTAs with them. It's unreal. I think you're going to be surprised. You're going to see the Travis Kelsey of Buffalo be born. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I, you, you get what I'm trying to say. You're going to see a, a big receiving tight end who's running all over the field alike to Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. I think that's what's going to come out of the season, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that starting, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to see it early on. I think he's going to get reps early on, and it's going to be an exciting time. I mean, listen, this guy's a first-round pick. And yeah. They, and they wouldn't have, and they traded up for him, so. Wouldn't have done it. Knowing Big Baller Bean, like, he wouldn't have done it if he didn't really want to, so. We know he wants. He always goes up to get what he wants, or he won't. He'll trade down. So, um, yeah, I, I think we've got a lot to be excited for with Dalton Kincaid. But now, the moment we've been waiting for, AFC East, most competitive division in football, some say. I don't know if I would agree. Sound like the AFC, of, AFC West of last year. That's kind of what the vibe I'm getting here. Like, the Jets are like Denver. Oh, we got a, we got a veteran quarterback. We're contenders now. You know what I mean? Except they've actually beaten us in the season. I don't know. I'm not even going to get into that right now. We'll get into that later. It's time to rank the quarterbacks in the AFC East. I'll start. Josh Allen, absolute number one. There's no question. Okay? You you cannot sit here and tell me that, oh, Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl, so he's better than Josh Allen. No. No. Has Aaron Rodgers been on the – has Aaron Rodgers been on the cover of a Madden game? No. I think he has. Has he actually? Mad 2000, no way. Okay, wait. Producer, we, we need this right now. No, I don't think he has. I don't think he has. I think Favre has, but in a Jets Favre has. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is. No. Aaron no, he is not. not. He is not. We've just gotten confirmation. He's not. Josh Allen's on the cover of Madden, which we'll talk about in a few minutes here. Automatic one-up. Okay. Tua turned the ball over. Enough said. I don't need to say anything else about that. And then Mac Jones. New England's social team is literally editing videos of him passing in OTAs. Like, the ball was going a completely different angle. Then all of a sudden, it's in in the hands of a receiver, and I'm like, okay, we see your, what you're hiding here. But we see what kind of game you're playing. Exactly, it's it's Belichick. So, I truthfully think going through it one more time, just just to run through. Josh Allen, number one, no question. Aaron Rodgers, number two. Yes, most experience. I think he's better than Tua, which is where you and I disagree. I know. So. I think just thanks, year, for, thanks for spoiling my list. I know, I know. I, I really spoiled appreciate it. it. Spoiler alert. I think that there's my list. Yeah. Well, I'll let, I'll let you go, and then we'll, well then we'll we'll chat. Well, I mean, that. Josh is easily number one, and I think Mac Jones is easily four. I think Mac Jones is interesting just because of the switch to have Bill O'Brien now and him having an actual offense. But I still don't know really what you're getting of Mac. I think Mac Jones could be a borderline, you know, playoff quarterback for you. Yeah. So. Even him at four is really not there's really not truly a, a bad bad quarterback in this. I have two ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I think with two it's all about staying healthy and if Rodgers, to me, I think Rodgers just has an incredibly lower floor than Tua for this season. Where I think it could go bad and I think it could go Russell Wilson bad. <laughs> you think so? So you I, think I do. They're the Broncos of the AFC East. You I think they're the Broncos of last year. I should say. I don't know if they're the Broncos of the AFC. I mean, yeah. I I, th- I think there's potential for it. Well, here's the thing. If you look at the AFC West and AFC East, Bills, Chiefs, right? Top dogs have been for the past few years. Broncos, Jets. Got a veteran QB. I'm talking last year's AFC West. Got a veteran QB. Think that, oh, let's do it. We've got it, right? And then you've got the Dolphins and Chargers, young quarterbacks. 
teams trying to figure themselves out and have their coaches are getting them farther into the season. And then you've got Raiders and Patriots. I mean, there's no question there. They're pretty much equal. Josh McDaniels from the Patriots, not really doing a great job, but that they're a pretty good comparison. Last year's AFC West and this year's AFC East, the, the hype going into the season, I should say. I, I just look at, yes, Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs just, you know, a couple seasons ago. But for me, I just don't trust the I, – I, part of my ranking has – I feel like has to come on, like, who was around you. And I just don't trust Nathaniel Hackett to save my life. <laughs> and yeah. I just think – He did good with Rodgers, though. But having Mike McDaniel being your play caller versus Nathaniel Hackett. Now, I know this is a quarterback ranking, and, you know, someone's going to say, oh, ta- talent-wise, yes, Aaron Rodgers is number two. But, again, this is like the Kyrie Irving debate. Like, I don't – I think ranking people off talent, like, I think you have to think who is going to play better this year and have a better year. And I think context does matter a little bit into that. And I trust Tua to perform better with Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers, again, has the potential to have a Russell Wilson-type year of – First year out of the out of out of Green Bay for you know spent sixteen years in Green Bay now is going to be in the limelight of New York Jet, the Jets where every every you know New York media this is in Green Bay where there's in Wisconsin middle of the tundra in Wisconsin <laughs> like this is the New York media and we all know Rogers doesn't you know always fit well with the media and if if they start off slow we're going to pretend that the media is not going to turn on him and he's not going to be you know become Rogers so I think with me. It just becomes of who would I ra- who would I rather have for next season? Would I rather have Tua or Aaron Rodgers? And I would rather, if I could just pick one, I probably would rather have Tua because I think you could build like Miami has an offense around his strengths where it limits his weaknesses. And we saw him last year have a very productive season until he had concussions, like scary I, injuries, scary injuries. But I I believe I just have more faith in Tua than I do in Rodgers right now to to have a better 2022 season. Yeah. 2023 season, excuse me. I can see it. I can understand. And Tua was better in 22. Tua was better in 22. So yes. I, I can understand where you're coming from. I, I can. Looking at it team-wise, yes. I I looked at it the, the other way you mentioned, just kind of talent-wise. Like, okay, like, you know, we're going to rank him talent-wise. But well, talent's on everything. And it comes down to, like, would you rank Justin Herbert above Joe Burrow? They're very different kinds of talent. But but would you rank Justin Herbert from Joe Burrow? No, I would not because they. That's not, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, because like I don't want to get into whole he waves AFC debate, but that Justin Herbert is more talented quarterback than Joe Burrow. I don't think anyone would really truly disagree with that. No, just based He's on more arm of a gunslinger, talent, yeah. arm talent, just the whole athleticism. Like Justin Herbert tops Joe Burrow, but I think Joe Burrow is better than Justin Herbert. He's you know got. I mean? He's more of a pocket passer, but it's it's he's played better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, so I th- I think that's where you know the line gets drawn uh, of talent versus actual production and abil- and you know playing ability. Yeah. Um, it's the reason why like Brock Purdy and Trey Lance like just talent sometimes doesn't mean you're better. Just because you are a talent more talented quarterback does not make you correlate to making you a better quarterback. No, right. First round pick and Mister Irrelevant. So I think Tua. I think Tua is better right now. I'm not saying like obviously Aaron Rodgers has a way better career than Tua, but yeah. No, I understand. Thank you. So yeah, well, I think we should should we should we do this every week for the different divisions, even in the NFC? What do you what do you think? I think we should do positions in the AFC East. Positions in the AFC East. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Let's keep it going. But we teased this a little bit ago here. I think it's a, a nice cover, don't you think? Josh Allen on the cover of Madden 24. Like, come on. 
with fake Bills Mafia in a sound studio? Come on. Like, that's awesome. It was confirmed to be, like, it's it's on a set. Like, they showed the video. Well, no. Yeah. No, he did that actually in a game. They were talking on One Bills Live today trying to see if it was all Photoshopped. And that was just him flexing on a field that they just did that. And I was like, there's no way. Well, his visor is Photoshopped a his, little bit. His smile is. So, that's, that's about it. I mean, yeah, because um, they wanted his teeth showing. They just took that. Oh, wait. Is it the whole visor or is it? Just that little part of the visor. I think it's just a little part, like just a, a little strap part, or a little part. I like honest which one do you like better? I like the well, this is the first time the fans have really been on the cover. I mean the actual like non deluxe edition, there's the standard co- copy is just cold. Yeah, yeah. Like But I, I have to say I like the deluxe edition a little bit better because you can see his face a little bit better. Yeah. I think not being able to see his eyes is a little bit of a um a little bit of a downgrade for me, but it still makes it cold. Like, it's yeah, pretty sick. But Well, it's yeah. like that, that flag in the stadium renderings that no one said before. Just freeze, baby. Yeah. Like, where did that come from? But <laughs> I, I, I personally, I have an Xbox that cannot play disc games. So I will be buying the disc game as a collectible and the online game. So I, I will be... I don't know which one I'm going to buy, though. Like, I feel like I should get the deluxe edition in copy... Because that's more of like, oh my god, like if I if I ever bump into him and get it signed, the deluxe edition unopened, like come on, that'd be awesome. Or do I, I just... never bump into him? You just have the copy just in your, in your coat <laughs> I'll pocket? I'll keep it in my back pocket. I mean, like, what are we, what are we talking about here? I'll keep but, it in my sack. I mean, listen, he was a 93 overall last year. You gotta think he's gonna have a boost um, in overall. I don't think he's gonna be a 99, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. You know, I can't believe in our lifetime, uh, even a, not even the Bills quarterback, a Bills player is grasping the cover of uh, Madden, I remember the longest time that Brian Mormon used to be the best player on the Bills, raid-wise, and honestly, that was pretty accurate. Uh, remember playing Madden 2009 with Palomalu and Fitzgerald on the cover, and that team sucked. Um, and for the longest time, it wasn't enjoyable playing the Bills and Madden, but no. now with Josh, it's a situation where people want to play the Bills and Madden. It's, somewhere, it's, a, it's a player that's not just our quarterback, but it's starting to become the quarterback of... of just a casual fan. Yeah, he's become a superstar. Just not not just a star in Buffalo and all that, but he's become a legit worldwide superstar. There's people that have no correlation with Buffalo at all. There, or is the reason why Josh is always consistently top five in in jersey sales. You know, yeah, outside the country too. Outside the country too. I'm excited. To, I'm really excited to see what kind of reception he gets in London uh, for the international game and. Listen, people are going to be, you know, you can't make every single fan happy. People, Some people want Justin Jefferson. Some people want Joe Burrow. I said this last year, and I'll repeat it. I truly, truly believe that, rest in peace, John Madden. If John Madden did not pass away and then not make him the cover of 23, he been last year. I think Josh would have been the cover of 23. And then he, we would have gotten the curse because we were out in round two of the playoffs. Yeah, again, so, so I think yeah. <laughs> I, that's where I always, like, show the hand to everyone. I think this is two years in the making. Um, but listen, he's become one of the more mark like he's a markable superstar. I mean, he's dating a, a what, what an he's A-list actor Hawkeye from the Avengers. So I mean, I don't know if it's officially official, but I mean, she I mean he's literally dating an A-list actress. Yeah, A-list so. actress. She just has the Spider Verse movie coming out too. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. listen, he, he he's a he's become a global superstar, and it's kind of weird saying that to be a Bills player and a the Bills quarterback. Um, I will have to say there's some people that are just really weird about the whole oh he led the league in interceptions or that kind of junk. It's did like, he though? I don't think he. I don't think he did. I think he was close, but 
I just don't like that the fact of people are trashing him for that and it's it's annoying to me for that for that purpose. But because he's been elite for the last three years. This isn't like a one year wonder thing. This is why people are complaining, Oh, Jalen Hurts, listen, they let Lamar on the cover after his MVP season. I don't think Jalen Hurts should have been the cover. If anyone else should have been the cover, it should have been Justin Jefferson because he's been absolutely elite, elite. A lot of people say DeMar Hamlet could have been too. No. I just I don't believe that. I, I, DeMar could be like, you know how like you go into the game and like there's like the um backgrounds? Yeah, yeah. DeMar could be a background. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't listen, the DeMar Hamlin situation is, has turned into a terrific story, but the beginning of the story was traumatizing and yeah terrible yeah. and i don't it just, it just i don't know i to me it, it wouldn't seem yeah, you right don't wanna, to you don't overdo it i got gotcha. you overdo it in that situation but i mean i'm excited i'm gonna buy man for the first time in a couple of years hopefully the game is good but they, this is their make or break year they said so because they got maximum football the free to play one coming out and as competition so they're releasing a month early you too. really would you really would care about max football but i am gonna download it it's free to play you gotta try it and it's physics based unlike animation based madden but we'll yeah. see we'll see they but have ncaa coming out this year too that yeah i think the ncaa actually puts some more pressure on them but again it, it, it's cool it's unique this is just something that i never thought was ever gonna happen so um yeah really cool yeah it'll be awesome to see we'll get some copies we'll have them as you saw on here already they were they're they're looking amazing so we're going to roll into some savers coming up here. But before we do, I'd like to bring up the Sports Bring People Together podcast. You should listen for entrepreneurial conversations with those in sports. And who knows where the chats will take you, but sports got us all here together in the first place. Find the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or simply visit sportseplus.com. Welcome to the savers portion of the podcast. Or Amherst. And this portion of the Amherst, the Amherst portion of the Savers portion of the podcast. There we go. That's a tongue twister. Yes, that, let me tell you. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Not I'm easy. not even going to try and say it. No. I appreciate you, you know, yeah. just let me hit the floor there. But uh, <laughs> the Amherst, unfortunately, were eliminated. They went 0-3 at home in Rochester in the Eastern Conference Finals to Hershey. They lost one to nothing. Just a brutal kind of way to end the season. Not even a great goal and just... Mucky hockey, yeah, really ugly hockey. Not a very fun series to watch, but at the same time, as we mentioned earlier, the Bannon series was going on. That was far, far more entertaining. Uh, they were able to stave off elimination in Game Five, but again, it was short lived. They lose in Game Six, and just kind of a, a disappointing way to end a really awesome playoff run. Obviously, now there's going to be some changes with the Amherst. You know, our prospects going to graduate to the NHL level. Lawrence Pilot, their number one defenseman, was already signed in Switzerland. Yep. Uh, once again, he's departing from the Sabres organization. So, I don't know. I shouldn't say I'm surprised he's done it before, but, I mean, it's just it, it's unfo- it's interesting. It, it's unfortunate that the first time he was here wasn't really given him a fair opportunity. Uh, and now when he arrived again, kind of the, 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 defenseman, the defensive depth of the organization was just improved where he didn't have a spot. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunate to lose them. They're going to have to revamp, it seems, the defense at, at the AHL level for the third straight year. But, you know, getting Ryan Johnson signed. Also, Noah Osland, uh, the first-round pick from last year, is going back to uh, the SHL. Uh, that was also broken, uh, you know, news. So, yeah, it, it, it's it definitely going to be an interesting summer to follow the Amherst because with all the prospects, you know, coming in, Nadeau, Johnson, 
there's another defensive prospect that begins with the end. I'm just gonna butcher their last name, so I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then also with Kulik, Rosine, Rosanne, I think I think is actually pronounced it Rosic. There's just a bunch of different moving pieces that are they gonna graduate or not? And there's a potential for this Emirates team next year to be a complete juggernaut. I remember going into this year. We talked about how we thought the Amherst were going to take a, a step back because we were like, well, UPL might be up. Uh, you know, this losing Quinn Paterka, we like Kulik, but being an 18-year-old in the AHL, Kulik has a, is, was named the all-rookie team in the AHL. Subban was more than suitable to take the role of the AHL crease. Yeah. The defense was a lot better. I, I think we underrated how much better the the defense uh you know, of depth and pairings in, in the Asia level were compared to the year before and uh the jumps from other individuals uh listen help the squad get farther than last year and hopefully next year they could, you know, be a little bit better where they can get a bye and maybe not it just seemed like they kinda of, they kinda of ran out of gas a little bit, so if they have a better yeah. regular season and the engine was stalling at the end of the season. Yeah, get, especially a one to nothing game. Like come on. Like that's how yeah. that's that's how you go out. Like that's horrible. But yeah, definitely, definitely a tough way to go out. But transitioning now, that was our last Amherst portion talk of the yeah. serious portion of the pod for Sign probably our- probably <laughs> a little bit, probably a little bit. Um, so transitioning now to the actual serious portion of the serious portion of the pod. Yeah, uh, did a did a little tease on this earlier. A little tease with Carter Hart, the rumor mill. So this is news as Philadelphia made a three three person three team trade involving one of their top defensemen, Ivan Provov to Columbus and then they got assets from the Kings. Basically signal that they are going in full rebuild mode under former Saber Danny Briere. And then immediately literally immediately after that th- that three team trade gets announced, there is news that while a trade isn't finalized for Carter Hart, they're they're I don't know I'm not gonna say star goaltender, but they're starting goaltender um they are looking to potentially move him and there's been extensive talks. And then immediately I feel like this is gonna happen with every goaltender that the Sabres are going to, you know, somehow find their name. This is kind of like the Bills for the longest time were always, you know, still even with the D-hopper rumors, I guess you could say, always a team that always seems to be involved. Like, yeah. oh, Derrick Henry's available. Yeah. It feels oh, like, yeah. it feels like for the, it feels like for goaltending this season, I mean, this offseason, anyone that hits the market, anyone, anyone that talks about potentially being traded, it seems like every suitable is going to be the Sabres. So, Obviously, this is a highly doubted prospect. Was drafted in the second round in 2016. Yeah, has really had an up and down career. Is an R, I believe, an RFA after next season. Uh, under four million dollar cap hit. Has played over 200 games. Has a 906 percentage. And this is a guy kind of a little bit like Devin Levi. Was kind of thought to be a savior, um, and had a really good rookie year, and then had proceeded that to have two horrific seasons. Right. And last year he was. I believe the twenty first best goaltender in cards of like the analytics. So he's a guy that's had a good year, an average year, and two pretty bad years. And listen, he's twenty five. He's young, where it's a situation where this maybe he could build on next year. He's not a very good penalty killing goaltender. Yeah, and maybe people believe that that was situational based. At the Flyers, obviously, the Sabres had a real problem with the penalty kill in their own right. So <laughs> I don't know if that is going to get better under the Sabres, but who knows? I think maybe it's five on five goaltending uh, could be addition. So I guess the question was would be like, what would you be willing to give up for Carter Hart, and should this be an avenue that the Sabres pursue? 
I think it's interesting, all right? Like, I've chatted with a couple people about it the past couple days. If Philadelphia, if they're in the market for a more of a backup, you know what I mean? Like, UPL might be on the trading block, you know? Like, if they goalie for goalie, you could maybe work something out there where we're looking for our, you know, a more consistent goalie to go with Levi. We're going to take a gamble on him. Lukanen has shown hot flashes. Maybe you could get something for him and someone else. You know what I mean? Like, Lukanen's last last start last season was against the Flyers. Right. And they've seen him up close and personal. I think I don't think it would be a bad move because maybe Middlestat. Maybe Middlestat. He's had some he, – his trade value is up to here I right now. His trade value is high, and you know you're it. You're right. Okay. Come on. Like, you know it. Like, you could you could package Lukanen and someone else on the team, and then you've got Levi, and then you've got – Carter Hart, like, how could you not like that? Like, that's perfect. Well, there's a couple of things. I actually don't like the move. I, you, don't, you, you don't want it to happen? I wouldn't do it. And there's a couple of reasons why. One, I don't think they'd be interested in having a goaltender back in return. They just got Cal Pearson, ex-Sabres draft pick, ex-Notre Dame, I say ex-Notre Dame, Notre Dame alum. Um, <laughs> they just got him in kind of a cap-dumb situation from the Kings. They have another younger goaltender that I think is going to get NHL time. I just don't think they have a space for another goaltender. So then it's like kind of, I guess it's what you, know, what you said, like, what else could they offer? Like, Middlestaff's name would probably pop up. The 13th overall pick would probably pop up. I'm not interested in doing a first-round pick. Maybe and, not. And then they would probably want a second-round pick, and then it would be kind of like, if we're not going to get a first, we want a second and a good prospect. So do you think we run with Lukanen and Levi next no, well, year? Well, God, no. God, God, no. <laughs> Just I'm not, not, not Carter Hart. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that <laughs> I don't like the Carter Hart option because I think a lot of the appeal of Carter Hart is a guy that, has had consistency issues, but now may have found his uh, a mental, gotten through the mental block, and is now potential to be an elite saving goaltender, like an elite number one goaltender potentially. I don't think that's a guy that the Sabres need. I think they have kind of, I'm not saying Levi has a mental block or whatever, but Levi is the guy that's going to be potential to be an elite goaltender. Right. And do you take two gambles of having two young goaltenders? I don't think that's necessary. I think the Sabres kind of needed more of a guy, like, I'd be more intrigued to give assets to Con- for Connor Hallebach than Carter Hart or sign Freddie, a guy like Freddie Anderson, anti-Ranta in the offseason. Like, more of a guy who's, like, in in their prime but is a veteran and I know what I'm getting. I don't know what I'm getting for Carter Hart. You know what I mean? Like, I could trade for Carter Hart and he could go back to old Carter Hart and just be trash, and all yeah. of a sudden I've traded... You're going to trade have to trade some decent assets. Like, Philadelphia's not just going to give a 25-year-old goaltender away. Who doesn't have a bad contract? Like they're not just gonna give him away for free. So I think that's that would be the situation for me, where it's like I just don't see the value in trading for a guy that you can't bank. I don't not say you could bank on anyone being for a sure thing, but he's definitely far from it. Right. And I think you need a, a this sort of thing because you're already gonna go off a gamble of Levi. Well, I believe in Levi. I'm not this is a shot of Levi, but it's a gamble to think that he can, you know, play. We don't know yet. He's played seven games, so I guess yeah. that's why I'd be anti the idea. But transitioning, we love these transitions here. <laughs> Rasalin, um, so there's been rumors that an eight-year contract around roughly $10 million per year is being reported that it is seems likely that he'll sign on. So it's important to note that none of this can be official till July 1st, so we're probably going to – we're still probably a month out from really getting this news. Yeah, but just kind of with the update for the extension for the, the the lead defenseman, power seems to be that they they 
broken ground as they did with the new stadium and for the Bills, but there's still a long way to go with that negotiation. Well, it looks like the, the Dalene negotiation is pretty much at the point where it's done. It just yeah. has to be kind of maybe final stipulations and all that. So it seems like it's going to be 8 by 10 There's definitely a guy that I think is worth a, t- a $10 million contract. Um, someone did say on Twitter, which I'll disagree, I'll push back a little bit, which is like <laughs> Darlene is like at the tip of the iceberg of his talent. Let's make uh, this abundantly killer. I Dal- feel like he's he's into it. Darlene literally just had a top five, top ten defenseman in the entire NHL season. And sure, do I think he could be maybe a little bit more consistent and get one in Norse? Sure, but that's not the that's not this dude just had a seventy point season about there. So I'm not saying like he's at his peak, it's at his ceiling, but he's definitely not tip of the like tip of the iceberg. Yeah. That, that's own power. No. Own power is at the tip of the no, iceberg. No, he got the Titanic. Easy. Yeah. He's not just the tip of the iceberg. You know. Yeah. So I, I feel like I feel like that's a little that's a little uh, that's a little too. Op- I'm just, I'm not, I'm not optimistic. That's a little too Homer. Yes, exactly. Homer Simpson. You're acting. The, that person's acting like he's got his entire career left in front of him. No, he's been cooking for a little. Well, bit. I don't know if it's like, it's like acting like he's going to be like a 120 point defenseman. No, it's never. Like, it's like no, dude. Like a 70 point defenseman that is an elite two way game. I think will be what Dali ends up being. But I think if he would be more consistent and has stacks a couple of years on top of this, he could have a very similar type of season he did this year and win in Norris. It uh, just happened that Carlson just kind of went off. Right. Um, so listen, very very excited about this. This is. To me, the future captain of the organization, uh, obviously you have Oposo signing on for one more year, but I, I truly believe after Oposo retires, I think I, I would bet heavy money that after next season he will be. I believe that Darlene will be will be the captain of the organization. You think so? Yes. I think Tuck will. I, do, I, I, I disagree with Tuck being the captain. Why? Tucky, Tucky's, so, Tucky embodies everything about the organization, though. You're right. He won, I believe it's the Rick Martin Award. Yes. I, I, I disagree with it because I think Tuck is like a hype guy, hype man, which I'm not which I'm not saying he can't be part of the leadership, but I don't know if he's captain. Like, I just think Darlene's kind of... You think he'll have an A? Darlene's kind of been the guy that's been through all... Pardon my French here, but been through all, like, the shit. Yeah, and like I think you kind of need like your your face of the fran your captain who's going to be the face of the franchise not only to be one of your like premier players, but also be the kind of guy that embodies that. Hey, I rose some lily rock bottom with everyone. Yeah, I got Kruger and I'm here now. Yeah, I got neutered, I got neutered and I I got neutered and I grew my balls back. Yeah, like, exactly. That's kinda... Yeah, that, that's that's what we need. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. I think it, there's truthfully Darlene probably will. He's got an A already, and he's you know like you said he's been through the shit. He's dragged, dragged through it. I mean that guy, I, he's resilient. He's still on the team, so I don't yeah. know. It's interesting, but what do you say? Is it time for some player grades? I know it you is. did them last week alone, it's, or did did you Mooch? Did you do them last week? No. No, this is me myself, and there's a third person. Oh wait, it was I. Oh, oh, I see. Is, how, how do we feel about? Do do we want? Do we want Mooch to come in and give give a third opinion? Do we want the producer? Do you have a third setup ready to pop on? Uh, I can get one in a few seconds. Yeah, get a, get a get a cooking, get a cooking. Is that is that all right with you over there? Get the producer. Yeah, I just, I just want to mention one thing very quickly. I know yeah, well, he cooks Mooch has talent shots, but uh, I'll just add to the last point before two points really. One, uh, Vegas is up two zero in their series against Florida. Yes. That series seems to be kind of just just Vegas at this point just has so much more depth than Florida. Um. At this stage of the game, fourth round, it's starting to come. And then uh, Sabres Fan Fest is going to be returning September 16th 
on Saturday. It's the day before the Bills home opener against Ooh. Vegas. So Ooh. if you want to make a double Buffalo sports weekend, I'd it's listen. I've been to the Fan Fest a lot. It's it's an enjoyable time. You get to meet a lot of the players. I saw I got, you know Jack Quinn's signature. Saw UPL Turka. <laughs> um, heard from Dolly in a post. So it, it's a really cool time. I highly suggest, especially if you have kids, um, it, it's just a cool time. Yeah, so. introduce them to the players. It's cool. Get them, get them involved in the Sabres organization. So our player grades for this time, as as we've kind of gone through, it's line by line, but now um, since we're up in the year, I didn't even add Henestrosa. Um, <laughs> I honestly kind of completely forgot about we were going to do that. But it's Vinny. the fourth line plus the 13th forward, which is Yost in this case. So it's the Oposo, Gergensen's Krebs line with – I feel like Yopes has to be included, so. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with you. So Thank you. Mooch, if you're ready, if you're ready to pop in. Alrighty. It is time for some player grades, and we're bringing in the producer for this one to get a third opinion. Mooch. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We got him. We got him. We got him. All right. So, first player on the board, the captain. Oh, captain, my captain, Kyle Ocposo, returning for another season. Solid season? You know, fourth line, all right, fourth line center. Yeah. I, I'd give him a, a a B, B plus. I don't know. Like he was, he was, he was. He's great leadership wise. There's no question about it. But does he provide the most exhilarating skating on the ice? No, by any means. But I would give him a B B plus. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's more B B minus than uh, B plus. Sorry, I'm, just, I'm a positive guy. What can I say? I mean, optimistic kind of as one would say. But 11 goals, 28 points in 75 games was a good elite. I, mean, I shouldn't say elite, but it was a good defensive forward in his minutes. Obviously, the leadership is his main quality. Um, just felt the offense is a little bit lacking this year, and I think you know, from coming off a 20 goal season, that was a little bit disappointing, but kind of maybe expected. So. Again, it was an above it for a fourth liner having twenty eight points is solid. Having the leadership is solid, and he put up good defensive numbers. So, yeah, I just think he's a solid grade. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and give him a a C plus. I guess I'll be the hater here, um, <laughs> and do some, some variation. This, this is why the producer. <laughs> that's why. That's why I'm not on the all show. Right, all right. Um, I mean, I just think that at the end of the day, I like what he brought to the team leadership wise, and I agree with all those statements. And it, I thought it was really funny. He had a random game where he had a hat trick. I yeah. don't know if you guys recall. I, we, were, we were at that game. Um, was that the boys in the box game? No, it was a game with uh, Jeremy was there. Oh, It was oh. against Detroit. Yes. The because non-Detroit game we went to. Not the one we went to where yes. Cage had the hat. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I, I remember buying Jeremy a new hat after that because I told him to throw his down. <laughs> and funnily enough, Mitz was on a hat trick watch. And he oh, wasn't, wasn't going to do it for Mitz, but he decided to do it for... Oposo. But outside of that random flash, you know, I just think it's kind of funny that I don't really recall what he did uh, to help the team offensively. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I won't be a huge hater, but I guess I'll give him a C plus is what I, I, I'd, I'd say. So. Right. Well, next is our boy Zemnis Gergensen. So we'll, we'll let you cook on this one first. Go I'm ahead. just going to give him a C plus. Um, I, think, right I think he was lower than uh, Oposo. You know, 10 goals, 18 points, 80 games. He was worse offensively. Um maybe slightly better defensively, but it brought good leadership. So I think it, it's close, but I, I would say he had, a, he had a slightly worse season in, in my mind than, than Oposo did, and that's why I'll, I'll rank him below him. Yeah, I'm pretty much on, on point with you there with the C+. I might even go C for pretty much all the same. <laughs> the same reason he's just kind of there, I feel like. Uh, a little less productive than Oposo. I mean, 
he could move quick. I mean, he's a little quicker of a skater than Ocposo, but that's really all he has going for him. So I, I C C plus C C. I would go with C as well. I mean, all I can think about, and I know we're talking about last season, but I think about the season and where he tore his ACL. Yeah, and they I don't think finished. he tore his ACL. I think he blew his hamstring. He blew his hamstring. Whatever the case was, it was season ending, <laughs> and you just saw how much the Sabers missed him defensively. So I don't know. I, I know we really shouldn't be grading outside of the season because that didn't happen this season. But the impact they missed from him there makes me want to give him a solid B. I think that his defensive impact kind of raises his ability for me. So I'm going to give him a B. All right. You, all can't, right. you can't honestly tell me you gave him a better grade than a Pozo. I, I think so. I think, so I think when it comes down to making space for you know, What do you Kulik, mean? A Pozo had a better offensive season than he did by 10 I, points. That my, my grade is my grade. I mean, your grades are great. Your grades, Listen, grades, grades, were already mid, grades were already due. I handed them I in, mean, okay? He's getting what he's getting. I yeah. mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it's silly. <laughs> I think I think, I think think you're op- As silly as it may be. I think you're opening it up for the possibility of, you know, his mom coming, you know, Opposa's mom coming on the podcast and reaming you for having all a right, well, grade. Well, we know Tuck's mom. Yeah, that's when all of us are going to be in the principal's office wondering what we did wrong. Well, this is why this is why I sit behind the camera and I switch the camera. No, this makes it interesting. All right. Next up, next up, Peyton Krebs. All right, he was he was a little MIA in the beginning of the season, if you remember. He's riding the bench. I got to give him a B minus, C plus, somewhere right in there. I feel like I, 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 he was all right. I want him to break out. I really do. He's part of that, you know, the Eichel trade. Tuck's really proven himself. Krebs has and hasn't. I, I want him to take that next step, but until he does, B minus, C plus. Yeah, I would say inconsistencies has hurt Krebs. I'd give him a B minus. I think it's because last year, going into the season, I think there was real, I don't want to say fears or whatever, but there was doubts whether this dude was an NHL player. And he was a guy that was kind of, you know, not good in his own end. And then he was also a guy that was a little weak and didn't, we didn't know if he had that edge to him. I think this year he answered the bell to, yes, he has that dog in him, that edge, a little psycho at times. And he also was a really solid def- in his own end. So I think, yeah, I think having 26 points in 74 games, I think is disappointing, and that's why I'll give him a B minus. But at the same time, you got I understand what role he was playing, which he was playing more of that matchup fourth line center role. And I hope next year he could take that jump, you know, from the worlds we've seen it. We we saw his passing in the world games championships. I I, I hope next year he's kind of a guy that's going to be like that third-line center that's still kind of that defensive matchup center, but now gets maybe that uh, 40-point-a-season kind of guy, half-a-point kind of player, because I think he has another step offensively, but the fact that he took a massive jump defensively this year, and just mentally, I believe, also he took a massive jump is the reason why I'll give him him a B-. minus. Yeah, I'll give him a B. You know, I really think that he's going to be this next season's Dylan Cousins, where he kind of establishes himself. I hope so. I hope you're right on that. I, really I, I think do. that's the kind of breakout he's going to have. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, Dylan Cousins got to center the second line, and he got to be surrounded by Quinn and Paterka when they had good nights, and sometimes they didn't. But the talent that he was getting paired up with on his wings was vastly different from what Krebs was getting. So do you think, you think if, you know, Tage went down and they moved Krebs up to where Middlestat was, you think it would have made a difference? You know, like, I think that... I think the third line is a fine line for him for his abilities, and uh-huh. I think that his playmaking in his ice time matches with the third line very well. But I think that if you get him better wingers, I really truly think that when you pull Kulik up for his nine games next year, once he gets them, 
uh, he's going to have to be on the third for one or two of those. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm hoping they don't put him on it for all of them. But I'd love to see what Krebs and Cooley can do together. And I really think that he'll come into his own then. But at the moment, I can't give him more than a B. Alrighty. So. No, respect. Respectable. So the last and final grade, last final player to grade, a new addition to the team this year. Kevin Adams made a little splash midseason. Tyson Jost. Yost. However you say it. It's Jost. Jost. Tyson Jost. I got to give him B plus to an A minus. A minus, actually, I'm going to give him. He showed up, and immediately that fourth line started playing differently. I, I do have to say. Like, when he was on it, it was a different – we had a different vibe going on down there. Party in the USA could have been playing down there for all I know. And I, I think he truthfully made such a big difference – in that fourth line or wherever he ended up playing. Like, it's just, I think that was showed why Kevin Adams is such a great GM. He found this guy, grabbed him and he's been a huge help to the team and he will be for the foreseeable futures. Yeah. I agree with a minus, I think 25 points, 71 games. I think this is a situation where maybe the, the, the standard seven goals, 18 assists is in minus 13, doesn't really jump out to you, but based off expectations, this was a guy that I think when all of us started when he first, first claimed off of waivers was kind of another Hinostroza where he was going to play a couple of games and the team was a little banged up and then all of a sudden he was just kind of go away. But with his play, he really showed you know the ability to be a solid defensive player on the squad. Analytically, he was really one of the better forwards on the team. My concern would be, you know, does he have a spot on the team next year? And are they going to qualify him? Is this going to be another kind of little bit of a Diamond Coon situation where they don't qualify him? I don't know. I'm a little concerned about that. I, w- I would bring him back. I think he's shown the ability to play even if he's your 13th forward. I think that's he would be overqualified for a 13th forward role. I think he should be in the starting 12. Um, but, yeah, A-. minus. I thought he had a really good overall two-way season. That I mean, from the struggles he had in Minnesota, especially now having another – He's a little bit like Greenway. I think him at being on the squad for full offseason, I think he's going to even be improved upon next year. Yeah, absolutely. Looch, what do you got? Yeah, um, I don't mean you, – you mentioned Greenway, right? And one of the things about these grades is I don't want to compare – I don't want to decide my grade based off of another player, but you look at the additions the Sabres made when everyone kind of felt like, you know, we're having a really good start to the season. Maybe an upgrade here or there would be helpful. What does Kevin Adams do? And he he has Joe's and he gets Greenway. And I mean, just for me personally, I like Greenway as a player, but I didn't love how much Don Granado was committed to him for how little he was performing. And so the way I look at it is I view my opinion of Joe's based off of how much more he did than Greenway. Yeah. So I would give him an A minus only because, you know, for what they gave up for Greenway compared to Joe's, it makes me happy that Joe's showed up a little more. At yeah. least in my eyes, I really thought he was more valuable of an asset. So I'm going to give him an A minus. So, so do I hear a unanimous A minus for Tyson? Jones? I think we all agree. Is that yeah. what I'm hearing right now? Okay, let's go. Your uh, your ears do not deceive you. All right. Well, those are our player grades for this week. We got a couple more to go, right? Defensive pairings coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that you know, that's I think that's going to do it, right? What, what do you say for the Sabers topic on today? We are, we are, you already mentioned the Sabres Fan Fest, correct? We're going to skip over that. Yeah, we mentioned the the, bo- the Boring Cup final, so I think I think it's time for us to go into the Would You Rather. The fun stuff. I have both the Would You Rather and the Pastor Prime Hall of Fame. I got gypped on the last Pastor Prime Hall of Fame. You can help me out with that this time. You remember, do you remember the last one I did? Uh, no. He played for the 
He's a free agent. Oh, Joe Thornton. Yeah, I'm not going to It's just not relevant enough. He's a free agent. That did no. No. Being a free. So, all right. Well, well, would you rather? We're gonna start with would you rather? Would you rather? Let me find it. Go back to where I was here. Doesn't even have it memorized. Elite. No, I don't. Would you rather? Okay, so we talked about championship games before, right? Yeah, we, we have. talked about scoring the final goal and winning the Stanley Cup. We talked about throwing the last touchdown in the Super Bowl. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the Super Bowl one again. Oh God. All right, but. Bases loaded. You're down by three runs. Game seven of the World Series. Grand slam. Walk walk off grand slam. Or throwing the final touchdown in the Super Bowl. The game winning touchdown that puts you up enough to win. Oh, That's the real question. Me personally, if I may just chime in for a moment. Just answer your own would you rather? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I will. The baseball one is so much more appealing to me. I'm going to go 100%. I have the opportunity to hit a grand slam, or I do hit a grand slam. You do. It's guaranteed. Oh, that is easily that one. That's going to be remembered for Over history. Over the, you know, say Hail Mary, Min- say Mus- Minnesota Miracle, but in the, pl- in, the oh. in the Super Bowl. Like that kind of a game. Oh, then that one. I'm sorry. Over a grand slam in the yeah. World Series, really? I mean, 100 million what people. What do you think? 100 million people are going to. We're just gonna move, you know, mucho degree. I mean, you're, you're million, million. I thought you meant like I'm trying to think of a good. I you know, the, you know who caught Eli Manning's touchdown to beat the undefeated Patriots. No. Yeah, Puxico Bullis caught a touchdown with like 35 seconds left. I thought you meant like that situation. No, where no, like I meant like a big play. Nah, I'm doing the touch, dude. 100 million, 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. Baseball is going to get some more viewers with the rule changes and stuff. Still, 100 million people I mean, watch I mean, Super Bowl. I think for that kind of question, I think you have to ignore. I think you have to ignore the premise of how many people are watching. Yeah. I think you have to talk about, you know, you got to talk about the principle of what you're actually doing. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think the whole question is based I, I, I think, Dominic, you Dude, look at it in the sense where... game-winning touchdown like Case Keenum did is way more hyper than hitting a walk-off Grand Slam in the World Series. Well, in the Super Bowl? Seven of the World Series? In the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl is the biggest sport that, of that's the what year. I'm, that's what I'm saying. You, you won the game with the Grand Slam. Right? What do you mean? I still threw the damn football. Yeah, you threw the damn football. Someone caught it. Okay, and you hit a I mean, ball okay. out of the park. What I think the better way to phrase it is if you if you ignore the, the fact that football is more popular in the, in the United yes, States. Exactly. If you look at the idea of the sport itself, would I rather be the quarterback throwing a touchdown pass that wins a big game, or would I rather step up to the plate and hit an absolute dinger? Like you know, Roy Hobbs in the National. I mean, dude, you're talking about but you're talking about a, like a like a near helmet, like a sixty yard touchdown with no time remaining. What kind of touchdown is it? It's that. It's yeah, it's not. It's not like you just held a touchdown okay. like twenty seconds well, ago. Well, I mean, I guess then it would, it would. Then I would pick the touchdown. If it was Minnesota Miracle level, I don't Thank think you. you can deny that. However, the think think about the Grand Slam, right? It's you know, three more, people yeah. get on base in front of you, right? You're you know you go from sitting in the dugout, you're in the hole, you're on deck. And then you're at the plate with the chance to win it. I'm assuming it's at home, of course. Two right? strikes on you, too. I was gonna say like a real no, like dog. Yeah. dog. It's easy. It's he's easy really to trying to milk one. this baseball it, one. No, the, fo- the it's a good debate, but the football one is just far. Football is a far superior viewing sport. It's a far that that will be played way more than a baseball highlight, a Super Bowl highlight like of that magnitude. But like, say Aaron Judge. Right, he was all over ESPN. I don't talk. You guys I don't, remember? Oh yeah, when they did like the cut-ins, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they would cut into college football games and tell me about Aaron Judge's dingers. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he 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 has an opinion. And I mean, what would you be more hyped for? 
If I uh, hit a walk time out, grand time slam, out, time out. what would you be more? What would you think is better? Josh Allen throws a touchdown. Oh, you can't ask that. Or Aaron Judge hits a walk off grand slam. Okay, that's that's too close to home. That's too close. What do you mean? Home. That's your it's your sporting except. Like that's what you're saying. Would you rather have Aaron Judge hit a two out granny to win the World Series, which would be still <clears throat> they'd be still behind the Red Sox in the century? Or would you have Josh Allen? Like maybe it is too close to home because you probably want to pick the Bills one because the Bills haven't won. But exactly. Okay, well then, like, I, I, like I don't know how. To, like, what's your favorite? Like, I guess if 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 you know what, put it this way: if Buffalo State University was playing in the Division Three National Championship, and some I don't even if know who you're correct. At both the co- say say we'll do that. Division Three National Championship for baseball. No, that's different though, because the Super Bowl is far superior than the World Series. Okay, then why are we using a divisional three? I, I was just putting it to like not put the Bills in the in the, in the scenario. It's tough because the Bills. It's not the, tough. This is an easy is. decision. No, I'm a homer for the Bills all the way. I, I'm not even talking about that anymore. I'm talking about your actual would you rather. It's an easy decision. Of course, you pick the football one. It depends on how much. I don't know. Like I feel like have you seen you've seen the movie The Natural, right? It's in Buffalo. Yes, it is in Buffalo. I know that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I've watched you've it. You've seen how that movie ends, where the lights explode and you're running the bases. Yeah, but that's not gonna happen in the goddamn World shot. Series. What if it does? What if it does? <laughs> Why are you mad at it? You know, like, like, you're really trying to make this baseball. He's really trying to make this baseball thing work. Keep adding stuff to the baseball. <laughs> 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 trying to milk it a little bit. Yeah. All right. Oh, we have two strikes now. Oh, at home. Yeah, two outs, two strikes, no balls. I don't know. Go to your Prime Hall of Fame. All right, all right, all right. It's time for the Pastor Prime Hall of Fame. He's uh, recently been signed in the NFL. Okay. Got Leonard Floyd. No, not Leonard Floyd. And Oliver. And Oliver. Oh, I was gonna say Cameron that. Randall Cobb. Cobb. Oh yeah. Randall Cobb's an easy one. Yeah, it is. He, he is. hasn't produced since tw- 2014. Yeah, Randall. He's not produced since 2014. Randall Cobb's in. Sure. What do you think? So okay, you got to remind me of the segment. So I'm supposed to say you got to vote. There's there's three votes. Okay. And we got if if I say no, he says yes. We need a tiebreaker. No, it's it's unanimous. Yes, it's unanimous. Would you well, say it yes? It matter it yes, that he's passed his prime. Yeah. Oh, totally. Okay, absolutely. All right. Well, okay. It, it wouldn't no. matter anyway. It wouldn't matter, but yeah. he's in. Look at that, Randall Cobb, a new inductee. Again, we need to make a graphic for it. We'll talk after. Randall Cobb. Uh, who, uh, who, no, no. The past their prime list. Oh, we, like, I'll do like a fame. vote. I'll make a voting thing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that'd be so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> righty. we got some trivia. Producer Mooch. Awesome. Take us through it. I'm looking forward to this. All right. So the first trivia question, I will start off with a semi-easy one if you know your hockey history in Buffalo, but not not ice hockey. What is the name? Roller hockey? What was the name of the roller hockey, professional roller hockey team that played in Buffalo? Oh, God. They won a championship. We were talking about championships earlier today, so there's a theme with this. I have no idea. The Buffalo Stampede. I think that was the Stampede. It is the Buffalo Stampede, yep. That's a good one. Uh, also, technically, the, the it's wing. It's also the drummers for the Bills. So. <laughs> I thought the Stampede was the indoor soccer team. It was the Blizzard. Oh, you're right. Oh, so it was the Stampede. Oh, no, I could have done that one, too, yeah. Because now they're FC Buffalo. That's right, that. All right. So this next question, the Buffalo Bills are not the only Buffalo sports team to have gone to four straight championship games. It is also the Buffalo Buttes went to four straight championship games, the Isabel Cup Finals. However, unlike their siblings and the Bills, they won one of those four. Which of the four championships was it, and which team did they beat? Couldn't tell you which team they could beat. They beat. 
I one, can take a guess at a number. Uh, they. I know they the won. Second one. I know they won 2017, so whatever that year that was. Well, you got to guess one through four. I'm going to say two. And you guys are both incorrect. It was the third season in a row uh, that they had went. Uh, and they beat the Boston Pride. So. You didn't Boston even give me an opportunity to guess the team. Okay. Were you going to guess that. the Boston Pride? I, I would have said you that. You actually knew that. Yes. Okay. All right. Next time we'll do Because doesn't Hillary Knight play on that you, team? You'll get like a half credit for that. <laughs> um, by the way, the theme of, of these ones is... Uh, Sports that aren't the Bills or Sabres, if you couldn't tell. Um, Changing it up a little bit. Everyone should know that the Toronto Blue Jays, once called Salem Field, not Coca-Cola Field, home uh, for, I believe, the 2021 season. Um, Which, if people in the area call, no one really knew when their last game would be. So when this was announced, it was kind of like an unplanned, this was their last game. Can anyone tell me who their last game was against and did they win? Um, I'll give you a hint. It was a fellow AL East opponent. It was the Red Sox, and they lost. Worcester. Yeah, I no, know. not it was the Boston Red Sox. Oh, Boston. Yeah, the Blue Jays. That's right. I, I was went, I was really hoping I went, you. Would I went. Answer. I went back to the AAA. I was hoping you would answer that one because you're the Red Sox fan. So. Well, I also worked the game on behalf of the Blue Jays, so I think I would remember that. They, they, spoiled, the they spoiled the going away party. My favorite part of it was um, they had all the extra merch that they planned on giving out, but obviously they had no use for it. So they had a segment where they just kind of threw it into the crowd. Yeah, I just remember them getting hammered by the Astros in one of those games. Absolutely hammered. Uh, Jose, Jose Altuve was yeah. right there, and he hammered a homer, yeah. if I remember recall. remember that? You, work, you probably work in that game. I'm just staring right at the camera. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> do, do you remember that game against the Astros that they got creamed? I gotta be honest, I worked two, worked two series for the <laughs> right, Jays. Right, I, I worked two talk. series for the Jays. Their last two, one was the Rangers because of Jonah Heim, and one was the Red Sox. So yeah. it was a 50-50 chance. I was actually about to say the Rangers until Mike said it was an East team, and I knew it was the Red Sox. So. Right. Yeah, well, um, that's all my trivia questions. I Alrighty. tried to get some funny ones. So Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, it's been... <laughs> That's it. That's that's the this edition of the Buffalonian podcast trying out our new format. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, without further ado, Dom, how do I always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.